Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on December the 13th of 2018. I'm Nick, here alongside Chris, and it's a new era. Nick! Nick, is that you? Oh. Oh, I haven't heard of you. You've aged. I haven't seen you in a fortnight, Nick. Of course, not like the Fortnite all those kids are playing. <laughs> I remember when I was a young boy playing with a, a young Eisenhower. This was before he was president, you know, but uh, we we sure played a good stickball. Like in like the 1870s. <laughs> oh, me and I called him Izzy, but you know, we had our nicknames. One had so much fun playing Johnny on the pony. Yes. Going down to the shop to buy stuff with our hay pennies. <laughs> oh, four hay pennies would buy you a whole candy bar back in that day. <laughs> and we'd split it and sit on the river, letting Snapper Reeves swift between our feet. Ah, oh, it was a good time, except for all the racism. <laughs> Never liked how the never liked the heck that people kept on criticizing Huck Finn for h- hanging out with his black friend. I even, he call, even, call, even he called him N word Jim. That was fucked up. Like, come on, <laughs> he's your friend. <laughs> anyway, oh, I remember when they interviewed me for my feelings on Huck Finn, so they could better understand the idea of what it was like to be a young boy in those days. And I was like, well, you start by painting a picket fence. Tom Sawyer told me it was great fun, and I don't know why he would deceive me. That old wily fuck. I hate you, Tom. (laughs) It's like a rivalry that goes back beyond centuries. (laughs) So, you know, if if he actually were a real character, he'd be dead by now. Like, you can stop bearing a grudge. No, fuck him! (laughs) I hate that old, that old cocksucker. Tom! <laughs> I shit on your grave every day I get the chance. So you turned 30 recently, I understand it, Chris. I turned 30. Okay. And it was not as, like, magically heartwarming as that one episode of Friends made it out to seem. Where they're like, 30 is just the start of a new adventure. It was me waking up and being, like, reeling from a shit I took. And I'm just like, oh, this is what my life's going to be like now. The dumps yep. are... Uh, Brack breaking to me. I'm sure that that's all that you have to look forward to, Chris. Yes. Yep, that's it. Actually, it reminds me of when uh, you would make fun of Paw for being 30. Yeah, no, I never, I never thought it would come back to bite me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never thought I'd get to be 30. <laughs> you just thought that this year was like, oh, you know, I'll just you know eventually disintegrate into dust. But when I turn 29 and 364 days, yeah, I thought I'd find one of those like watches from like the nickelodeon movie where like they slap it and it stops time and then then clock I could just, stoppers yeah i could be a clock stop and i'd be like 29 years old i'd be like time stop and then i just hang out around you know i thought that it worked the opposite way i thought that if you used it you would just age faster because that's what happens to french stewart in that movie fuck god damn it even that doesn't work so you would have to like put the watch on everyone else's wrist and force them to constantly be going fast forwarded there you like go. The, and then I would never age. Exactly. Perfect. Time to get yes. started on that technology. They have I get it, right? Up. Okay. All right. Chris, we do have some uh, manga news to talk about uh, today. Mm-hmm. There's there, a new jump start in weekly manga recap. Or there is. Jump. Yep. There is. Uh, 
We'll talk about Neolation later. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk a little bit about how Jump as a whole is going to be basically completely changing for English readers. If uh, you're like us and you have an English Shonen Jump subscription, you have probably heard about this already. They have been running essentially a digital version of the magazine that compiles a whole bunch of series from the week together into a collection of, you know, that's about 200 to 300 pages long, depending on what all is in it. And you just, you know, go through it and you read it like a regular magazine. That is going to stop next week. Uh, And instead... Yeah, fuck you, magazine. (laughs) Nor magazine format, all of the series are apparently going to be made independently available via a stream-based subscription service. Uh, If you have a subscription currently, then you are going to automatically be subscribed to the new service at basically the same rate uh, that it would have been before. Um, And it's not that you're going to be getting just the new series if you actually pay for it. You'll actually have access to basically the entirety of the Shonen Jump archives. Not 100% of it, apparently. Uh, There is, I don't know exactly what the details are, but there is some stuff that you're not going to have access to. Um, But uh, new chapters are just going to be freely available for everyone. So if you have not been reading Shouldn't Jump lately because, well, I can't, you know, pay the, the subscription service, then, hey, Check out the new series on the official website, and that way you will be supporting official releases that go towards actually helping the creators of those manga. People have said that, okay, this doesn't change the fact that in certain countries, uh, the UK outside of Ireland and, and not, not rather Europe outside of the UK and, and Ireland, for example, it's still not available. Uh, so basically outside of a bunch of places that predominantly speak English, you know, Canada, the United States, Australia, New Zealand, and India, uh, it's still not going to be available. It doesn't change that. And that just has to do with where Viz actually has the rights to the series. But if you do live in one of the many different, well, not many different, but the different countries that Viz was offering it to, and you just couldn't, uh, see yourself supporting it because you just couldn't afford it. Hey, new chapters are going to be free now. So what do you got to lose? And uh, this is going to, in some way, we don't know exactly how yet be affecting the podcast because all of a sudden um, there are going to be some series available for us to read that weren't before. We don't know which ones yet. We will probably find out uh, as soon as it changes over on the 17th of December. And when that happens, Chris and I will figure out what we want to do. Um, Probably what's going to happen is we'll add some series to the podcast in some way or another. Probably won't be doing it like every single week. There is just a new series that we do because we already talk for a long time on this show. And it already feels like sometimes we need to rush through in order to stay under a certain time limit. But we'll probably add stuff to it in some way. And hey, if we're going to have access to, you know, the archives to these series uh, with the subscription, then that's going to also open up uh, recommendations. I think it's going to be a lot easier to read uh, stuff for that. 
So yeah, the biggest thing is that recommendations now for Jump series or series that Viz has the publishing rights that are going to be available through that streaming service are now going to be monumentally easier for us to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it was a huge kind of blockade to a lot of, especially like older Jump series, mm-hmm. or real or real, like or and also really really long running ones yeah, too, where you're just like, you know, it's it was just an unfeasible kind of thing. But this is a very very good option for that. Um, and there are quite a few series that they have announced. They are definitely like going to be going concurrent with, with like Haikyuu and Act Age, Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, and the other ones too. Uh, what's what's the demon? Uh, Kitetsu no Yaiba. Yeah, that one. That, that's another one they're going to be going. So it's not guaranteed any of those necessarily will be added to the recap. Uh, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But the ultimate thing is that if you're listening and those are series that you liked and you want to keep up current with that, recognize that those will also be series that you can be keeping up current with each mm-hmm. other week now. So there's a lot of new options out there, a lot of really crazy stuff opening up. I'm pretty excited for it. Um, and I think some of their implication even seem to suggest they're just going to start trying to maybe do the same with a lot of jump starts going forward is just keep publishing them till they come to an end. So it's a possibility. It's not out, not out there, but maybe if you guys well, love Chainsaw Man, maybe you'll get to see all of it. <laughs> all 16 chapters. <laughs> you're calling that early, early, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. I like I like putting my word out there. It's uh, yeah, it's really exciting. This is only this is like purely good news. The only like uh, bad thing that I can think about in relate in uh, all of this is that with the magazine format ending, I will have to open up more tabs as, whenever we recap the, the series on the week because I would just flip back and forth. I know, Chris, you would already just open up new tabs for stuff, and I guess oh, I'm going to have I to start stopped, doing that. I stopped doing it. It actually was really convenient to be able to go back and forth. So if only because I have a mouse that for some reason closes windows without my permission. So Oh god. So <laughs> but we'll make it work. We'll fig- we'll we'll do something though. Uh we'll, we will make do. Um and yeah, this is honestly seriously exciting. Uh this is something that we could not have dreamed would actually happen like 10 years ago. Uh but here we are now. So it's uh, awesome, and I can't wait to uh, use this to uh, you know, explore some archives and stuff. The one limitation that uh, they've noted is that you have a limit of 100 chapters a day. Okay. <laughs> I'm like... You can, you can only watch 25 hours of content in a day. All right. <laughs> I'm like, weekly shonen worthless, am I right? Boom, roasted. So, uh, really exciting. Um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll, by the time that, um, next month rolls around, we'll probably have a better idea of what we're going to do, especially because next month we're already planning on having to move the recording of the show to a different day in the week for different reasons. So changes are coming to weekly manga recap, but probably not incredibly huge ones and probably all very positive. So. Plus it's also, we're in the probably the most tumultuous month for weekly manga recap because there's like two yeah. weeks without any chapters whatsoever. So uh, I imagine there'll be a little bit of time of, of adjustment and then mm-hmm. and we'll be there. Yeah. But for the time being, I guess we'll go over the last issue of weekly Shonen jump ever uh, that we're going to be uh, covering on the show. Um, that and of course a couple of Crunchyroll series, which are not going to be affected by this remotely whatsoever. So yay, <laughs> huzzah! 
let's uh, get into the recap portion of the manga recap, starting off with My Hero Academia. Number 209, match five start. Last time, of course, Bakugo and company completely overwhelmed Class 1B, uh, kicked their asses, and uh, yeah, threw them in the cell. Apparently, they won in less than five minutes, so good job. Um, I do actually really like the picture of them kind of walking triumphantly back. It's it's actually really weird to see because you don't really see Saro in his costume without the helmet on. It's kind of one of those like Power Rangers uh, sort of moments. Um, I just like, you know, them kind of like transitioning from battle mode back to casual mode uh, as they do this. Um, they get a little bit of, uh, you know, advice uh, and criticism from their teachers which we've only seen like once out of the other three matches it's a little weird that's kind of inconsistent well they they said specifically that uh for two of them because there's injured people that they oh, right until after everything was done like because like uh yeah Yorozu was unconscious and uh, everyone got like fucked everyone up got fucked up at the, yeah the third match they were like yeah we're gonna we're gonna wait a little bit yeah um, so Aizawa is just going to like, yeah, f- good fucking job, guys. <laughs> um, then uh, as everyone is, you know, kind of walking away from the uh, debriefing, uh, Kaminari is like, hey, good job. You know, Kachan, you you actually made it made an effort. And uh, he also says something kind of weird to Jiro, which is you were a total heroine out there. And Jiro just says, well, you can just call me hero. It's like, all right. I guess that whatever. It's just a weird exchange. Yeah. Um, uh, Nick, it makes 100% perfect sense. What are you talking about? Everyone is called hero in the series. I get that. It's just kind of weird that it was whatever. Anyway. I think it's uh, Kaminari just being sort of an awkward guy. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. You were a good female hero out there. So why are you making a note that I'm a girl? Okay. Yeah. Uh, all Might also has a bit of a congratulation for Bakugo. And Bakugo's just like, because he says, that gave me chills. And Bakugo's like, well, then you better see a doctor. <laughs> what kind of weird joke is that? Oh, he's not. Like, I love this panel exchange because Bakugo is just like, fuck you, old man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just that, that moment of like, oh, that gave me chills. I better go see a doctor. Like, just that shitty line to the kid who hates their dad says to them. When they try to like connect, I was just like, "Shit, it's pretty brutal." I loved it. I, I like that Deku kind of breaks that tension immediately, though, because he's like, "Hey, good job," and he's like, "Shut up, get out of my way! I'm not in your way." <laughs> um, and you know, Bakugo says, "I'm, I'm gonna, you know, go so so, fa- so far ahead of you, so fast that you're not gonna be able to keep up." And so yeah, Deku's like, "No, I'll surpass you." So, no, you won't. Fuck, fuck you. Fuck. <laughs> Such dorks. Um, so that brings us over to uh, Class 1B reacting to everything. Monoma gets bizarrely, like, introspective and intelligent sounding. Like, it seems as though he's actually, like, taking things kind of seriously for a moment. Um, and he actually uh, is a little bit... Um, understanding with Tokagi and says, yeah, hey, hey, we haven't actually truly lost this yet. 
What I want us all to learn is which class treads the correct path. The earnest one that keeps its nose clean, or the holy, undeserving reprobates that bathe in the limelight for all the wrong reasons. Um, and so then they're, they're like, okay, well, we should actually figure out how we're going to win now. Because, of course, the, the match is going to start up. Uh, they talk a bit about uh, how Midoriya is very formidable, uh, how he now has ranged attacks and stuff. And Shinso, of course, chimes in with them thinking, hey, you know, we're going to need to actually definitely take him down. But we know that he can actually break free from my brainwashing. So that's a problem. He brings up the possibility of using Monoma's copying quirk so that they could actually uh, double the mind control ability. But uh, Monoma actually says kind of humbly, like, I don't know, there's there's a chance that I'll draw a bad card uh, if you rely on me here. Um, but we will need to definitely take this guy down. Does he have so. like a card gimmick? I don't remember this guy at all. He the only thing that we've actually seen him do up to this point was way back during the chariot battle where he would copy everyone's quirk that was making up the the uh the cavalry that was carrying him uh, and Bakugo basically schooled him when he got really, really, really pissed off and, you know, took him down and took their uh, headband that had the points on it. Um, I think that what he is basically just saying is like, yeah, um, sometimes I get my ass handed to me. So, Possibly. I don't know. Like, based on, like, the like the long, elegant magician suit, I'm assuming maybe he has some kind of... It could be. To him. I don't know. He does seem to definitely be a very outlandish kind of person, so... A foppish person, you yeah. say. Yeah. So, um, everyone, of course, is looking forward to the next battle. So it's Deku, Mineta, Uraraka, and Ashido versus Manoma and Shinso, and who gives a shit? Uh, there's a weird little moment where they're like, okay, well, maybe, what should we do here? Maybe we can take out Shinso so we don't get brainwashed. Uh, and Uraraka's like, I don't know. The others might stay hidden and launch attacks or who knows where. And then they just out of nowhere go, Uraraka's like, I float stuff. I melt stuff. I stick stuff. Thanks for recapping that. I've been reading the manga, guys. You don't need to tell me. They're like, you may have forgotten all these somewhat like important characters' powers. I guess. Yeah. Well, I think I think they're talking. Uraka's name is Uravity. (laughs) I think they do it because they're commenting on the fact that their powers are pretty worthless if they can't actually see their opponents, and they note that the rest of their team, like their opponents, are all people who hide. So I don't know. Yes. If, it feels like that's the justification for it as a way to be like, here's what all their powers do. And I'm like, but we should do these in all the other fights. Like, why is this? Yes. Like, well, hold on. People may not know who Rock is. In our defense, we don't have her do a lot. <laughs> so, and you might only I know, know. She's like the t- I know she's like the 10th most popular character in the series, but hold on. <laughs> and you might only know Mineta from his picture being in think pieces. <laughs> Let's try to or, explain. Or not know. his picture being in think pieces because people edit over it because they hate him so much. <laughs> what is his power again? All right. He sticks things. <laughs> All right. Sticky balls. Which now that I think about it, very sexual. 
so what they eventually conclude is, OK, well, maybe we should lure them into a into a situation where we have the advantage and then we'll trap them. And Deku says, yeah, and, and I'll be the, the bait to which Ashido actually points out, hey, didn't you say your quirk was acting weird before, though? So everyone apparently actually is keeping up with some of Deku's uh, edited uh, commentary about his situation. So um, everyone is kind of concerned that if Deku is actually up to the task of handling this and he's just like, yeah, don't worry, well, we're going to win this. Uh, and things do seem normal with uh, one for all for right now. So match starts up. Toshinori suddenly gets a phone call from Gran Torino, and so he heads off uh, to take it. And then we cut away to uh, the prison where uh, All for One is being kept. And there are people who are, you know, observing, you know, from like the security room and uh, the they're, I guess, monitor. I guess what they're doing is they're monitoring all for one. I'm not 100% sure. I think that they're monitoring him, though, because they say that there's like movement. Um, and then they warn him, he's like, hey, you cut it out. And he's like, sorry. Uh, the they discuss him a little bit. They also mentioned that uh, Gigantomachia had popped up the other day. And uh, then all for one says, like, I'm sorry, it's just all this nostalgia. It makes me ache inside. I hear my little brother's voice. And that's where the chapter ends. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, bum, bum. Very, uh, like, it's it's interesting that we went from, like, that cool ending to the end of the third match. Into a fight where Bakugo and his team just completely schooled people, and I was really in. And then the moment they started this fight, I was immediately back out. I was just like, "All right, <laughs> like, all right, that's again." I have to learn who fucking shitty Ginyu Squad Hyoga and Hat Girls powers are. Better, better memorize all of them before their their match, I guess. No, all for one's brother. One one for all was all for one's brother, wasn't he? Yes. So, do you think that he's just referring to him? Well, his voice also carries on through one for all. So, he might be hearing the like the power within Deku. He could mm. he could have some way of kind of also some sort of connection to it. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Or it could just be a different brother, but well, well that'd be a I guess we'll find out. Yeah. We will find out, I'm sure. All right. So uh, let's move on then to fuck food wars. Food wars. Yes. Shokugeki no Soma. Yes. Yes, that is what freakishly it's talented cheeks. That's the, yes. that's the chapter title. Cheeks. <laughs> I read it as cheeks when I first flipped through, and I was like, oh, God. and I was like, this makes a little sense, I guess. And I was like, oh my chefs. That makes uh, more sense. <laughs> the 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 noir chefs are talented. That's that's what that's what the chapter is. Well, like, it's, it's it's a way to develop these characters and give them some level of an identity. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of working because the way they frame noir is this very weird group. I mean, I'm like, remember we introduced them after they kidnapped Arida and we found out they're 
their hideout was full of bondage gear and drugs. And you're like, what is this group? And we see them. One of them is a Nazi woman with a chainsaw. One's a giant clown. One looks like he's a like, leather face. And we see how all these guys cook. And they do have kind of interesting gimmicks to them. Like the circus guy puts all of his ingredients in a giant bowl and then juggles it in the air. And like the weird serial killer looking dude literally drains all of the blood out of his food. And, you know, the one girl's got like a torture gimmick. Like it's it's all very like macabre and weird and interesting. I'm assuming that these are supposed to be like the bottom tier group because the guy who even Probably. kidnapped Arena wasn't even in this. So right, right, right. And uh, then at the end of the chapter, uh, Megami and Takumi and Sukatsu are all preparing to prepare their dish. After Anis says, "Like they, they have a potential as well, Bookmaster," and that's it. It's it's also worth knowing Ume is specifically endorsing the chefs from Totsuke. So it yeah. seems like there's a little bit of a friction there of like the bookmaster is pretty confident a noir chef will win. And it's like, no, don't forget these three. I actually kind of like the single shot of like Sukasa with like the finger in front of his face. It's kind of a cool idea. Ninja Sukasa, yeah. And Megami being like, oh, wait, I'm fucking here and I'm supposed to be. <laughs> oh, right, I should do something. cooking things eventually. What you don't see is that she's actually been holding that pose where she's got her, you know, fingers at her chin. She's actually been doing that for like the entire past two tests. Like, <laughs> we see her and she's back at the second gate. She's like, oh, right, I'm supposed to cook a thing. Did I remember to place my order for. Did I do that? Did I. Do I still have Prime? Did I let that expire? Dad. Do I need to return that Netflix disc? Hang on. <laughs> When's the last time I got a Netflix disc? Did I return it, though? <laughs> Maybe that's why I haven't gotten anything. Legally Blonde too. Why did I rent this? <laughs> oh, why did I think this would be good? Ah, where did you guys go? Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I don't know. Something about this chapter I just didn't really care about. Mm. Can't really put my finger on it, but it seems like uh, Food Wars does this occasionally anyway. Just you know, introducing some weird chefs, and it's like, okay, well, it's very surface level stuff, though, and uh, it feels like none of these guys are going to be important. I think that the last time that we got a, a big like these four people are so intimidating was like way back when the um, underlings of uh, the yeah. Council of Ten got introduced. And then they just all got their asses kicked immediately. Like, so. I'm trying to even remember one of their names, and I can't. I'm really, I can't. I'm really there was, sitting here uh, there, trying. Was, there was the guy with, like, the cross. The upside-down crosses. Yeah. There was the Hulk-looking guy. There was... Two girls. Two girls. One of them dressed really weird. I feel like one of them was, like, in a Japanese kind of, like, robe thing. Yeah, now it's all gone. <laughs> Yeah, That's so how fucking unmemorable they were. Uh, all right, let's let's move on to Eden Zero then. Uh, this is chapter twenty-four. Yay, wait. What's up? Yay, wait. yay. Uh, Eden Zero chapter twenty-four. Sister Ivory. Um, and our cover page is uh, Rebecca and the little girl hugging a big bear. It's very, very. Um, I got bears alive. I hope he enjoys being hugged. Cause they're all up on it. All right. So, last time, the Chronophage is attacking. Uh, the Chronophage, if you recall, is what attacked uh, Norma all those years ago. So, uh, Rebecca, not Rebecca, sorry, Witch 
and Happy are talking about this, and, and which explains. So Gilst is going to get attacked, and it's going to go back in time. She says, well, it does. we don't know how far back it's going to go. It could be any range, really. But the big thing is that anyone who wasn't there at that time period that it exists that's going to go back to will simply cease to exist. So basically, unless mm-hmm. it only gets eaten and goes back like 20 minutes, everybody is going to get erased because Rebecca yes. and, and you know, uh, Cheeky and all of them weren't there. So it's a very dangerous thing. And they note uh, the chronophage is going to arrive in approximately 60 minutes. So which is going to land on Eden Zero or no, sorry, was going to land to Eden Zero on Ghost. And uh, go try to rescue everybody. Cut over. Jin and Cheeky are having their fight. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's a pretty boring fight. Did someone else start translating this series, do you think? Because all of a sudden, all of the technique names are in Japanese. There was a period of this happening in Fairy Tale, if I recall. And I, I can't remember if they changed it. I mean, I guess it's a preference sort of thing. I'd prefer, honestly, for it to just be in English, because I, there's a thing, not because I think English is a superior language or anything like that. There's just always that weird feeling when you translate in Japanese that it comes off, for lack of a better word, very weebish, where you're just like, <laughs> Japanese is such a cooler language than it should be in that. And I'm like, yeah, but then I have to read really tiny text boxes to know what this is actually supposed to mean. Like, And I can understand it for certain types of series like for example uh bleach naruto i think that keeping the original japanese in those cases like all right you know it's it's got a it's got more of a you know you know it has to do with the shinobi or like you know these ghost samurai but if it's you start doing that all of a sudden with uh with one piece it's like well they're not supposed to be super japanese though they're pirates sailing the seas and they're based on a lot of you know european history and stuff or this one is like it's based off it's it's a sci-fi series and all of a sudden shiki goes from going yeah my mech my magic tech attack attack with gravity wave he's just going my kind of junior kohai it's like Uh, when did this happen (laughs) yeah the aesthetics do matter and it does come across as very strange just because it's a big fight chapter uh at the start so there's a bunch of attacks being thrown about and as you said this is really the first time we've seen this per se so yeah there's a lot of that uh they they throw their attacks against one another the thing that carries off for me though is this is a very boring sort of fight Uh, i feel like shiki does this every fight in some variation where he uses his gravity powers to get in an angle where his opponent doesn't expect him and then he charges and hits their face with gravity um which i guess is not that far off from the variation of not well, you know yeah, obviously it would be way better if he was covered in fire when yeah. he was doing this you know uh so shiki seems to have the upper hand on Jin, and Jin's like you weren't this strong before and shiki's like yeah but that was just a punch-up this is a battle for my team uh, and then there's like a brief moment of wind blades appearing when sister arrives and she's like, my, my, the little lamb from the church. Uh, they notice that a league is gone. They're like, oh, shit, find him and kill him. And Jen's like, but he's our contract. Like, we won't be many people <laughs> with money like his. And she's like, then we'll just kill him and take his money. And like, we are evil. <laughs> I guess this makes sense. And I can't tell if this is supposed to be Jin, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> or if this is him, like, 
Oh, right. <laughs> I guess we can do that. Uh, so Cheeky's like, I'll just take all of you on at once. And Sister okay. takes off her robe. <laughs> like, so I think she's supposed to be robotic. But if she is, I like that she was robotically designed to have fishnet stockings and the fucking garter belt shit. <laughs> And she's still talking, you know, with like, you know, you, thou shalt receive God's divine punishment and stuff. Talking, you know, like this, this priestly or nun type of woman, but she's just there in, yeah, lingerie and stockings and garter belt. She's and like, it's just time to take off my robe so I can fight as comfortably as possible in the high heels and the stockings and garter belts. I can't take off the habit, though, because we would lose the sexy nun fetish of this fight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going, I just want to go back to like a few, a few weeks to when I said, I actually like her design. It's like, oh, oh OK. Yeah. What, what I truly love more than anything is that there seems to have intricately been a design aesthetic that this robot person or whatever has to actually have like the tops of stock like it'd be different if it just uh, like it was like no they're just it's black steel and it mimics a stocking but clearly someone was like gotta put like that floral pattern design at the top of stocking so everyone knows what it is uh then we cut over to rebecca and uh, the rest of the women who are escaping and nick copa's gone copa Hello? i didn't see where's Copa? guys where's copa copa is missing nick it's very important. I'm that we guessing Copa. that Copa, I'm guessing Copa is the danger girl that I, had I, I like the crisis of conscience. I was assuming Copa was the little girl. I, I don't fucking know. I don't know because you can't see. The only person who they make sure you can see is the 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 food woman, and then you see like a couple of the other like and Mira Jane. Yeah. I would and Lisana. I will, yeah, they're there still. They're they're very important. Uh, so they're like, oh shit, we lost Copa. We have to find her. And uh, Rebecca's like, yeah, we're gonna go find her. Are you guys head that way? I'm gonna go find her. And Pino's like, that would be inefficient. And fucking Rebecca's like, but if we all look for her, they'll find us. She's like, no. I mean, to increase the to increase the rate of survival of everybody, nobody can go look for her. And uh, Rebecca leaves now and is like, but if it's your friend, you'd look for Look at my boobs. Look, I can wiggle the tail. Yeah. Cat fetish. Secured. Um, (laughs) All right. (laughs) What I'm saying is important. What's important is here I managed to put in the nun fetish and the cat girl fetish in the same chapter. So I'm going to go do a thing, but it doesn't matter because here I drew my boobs. Yes. It's very important. I am very curious. So this is supposed to be, I think, a very significant moment because um, Pino, I guess, uh, is sort of this blank slate personality that doesn't quite understand friendship yet. So in this moment, it's kind of being like, like I never watched Star Trek, but I guess sort of like, I guess what Data or Spock kind of serve as like. The, uh, the, Data the, is how you say his name. I'm sorry. Uh, where she's just trying to be like the cold, logical one of just like, 
It would be improper for any of us to leave. It would ruin our survival chances for the group. And then the hothead captain has to be like, you eat a bag of shit there, you stupid <laughs> robot. We're saving all the bitches up in here. You must have a very twisted view of how Captain Picard behaved. <laughs> I mean, doesn't he become the cutest? So yes. That sounds like a pretty dope name. So it's like, Lakuna says you shut your stupid mouth, robot. What people oh, don't know about bitches in this. What people don't know about the Borg uh, legacy in Star Trek: and The Next Generation is that yeah, Picard was only Lacuna's for a couple of episodes, but the personality change that came over him was long lasting and severe. <laughs> he, he started talking about robot bitches a lot more. His words, he stopped, he, stopped, he stopped quoting Shakespeare all the time and speaking very dignified way. And he's like, yo, bring me some bitches. <laughs> I'm the captain, motherfuckers. He shows up with like his monster energy train and a backwards hat. And he's just like, where are the space whores at? And they're like, oh, good. Captain's here to lead us in the battle. Do you have maybe like a, a Michi quote you would like to regale us with before this battle? He's just got cornrows, white boy cornrows now. <laughs> He's like, no one has time for that lame shit. Let's turn on Girls Gone Wild commercials and then go up into space. Goes over to the replicator and has a replicator bong for him. <laughs> Yo, Dada, let's... Stop My name is Data, sir. Fuck you! <laughs> Stop talking about your name and start hitting these fat ribs. <laughs> Give me a beat. <laughs> We're gonna record my hot, my hot new album. I'm not a huge fan of Captain the Cutest. That's because I'm petitioning to change my name to the coolest. <laughs> Federation said no. Let's finish the chapter now. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, so, they, yeah, they have that moment, and Pino has to be like, Ah, for friends, you would decrease efficiency, people. Decrease efficiency. Yeah, so they're going to have a moment. Cut over to the church then, where uh, Hamora and Weiss are having the conversation. They're kind of finishing up, and Weiss is just like, I'm not moving to you, Timmy, what you're really after. And then... Suddenly there's a bunch of sound and a bunch of ether kind of, like, moves. And Hamora's like, oh, it comes from below. So uh, they take uh, the glass. He ignores him. <laughs> yeah, just like, oh, I'm not leaving till you tell me. Oh, single distraction. Ah, get back here. <laughs> uh, and they, they, they take the elevator down. And uh, I, I greatly enjoy that Bice literally says, what we Sam Hill? <laughs> Thus confirming that in space, Sam Hill is a very real person, and people still quote that. Uh, and we see in this this sort of uh, web of pipes, there is a woman who is uh, like sort of uh, crucified is not the right word, but the crucified sort of uh, spread arms sort of visual. Her body um, is forming the crucifix, yeah. but yes. Within the pipes, and they're like, oh, that is without a doubt one of the Demon King's four shining stars, Sister Ivory, who looks like a regular nun and not the sexy one with the uh, mega garter belts and everything. I love how incredibly clean she looks. Like, for someone who's been held prison in a network of pipes, she, like, her habit, her robes, everything is perfectly clean, unmarred intact so 
clearly she has been well taken care of. Well, someone comes in and dusts her every once in a while. Be, yeah, it just on. comes in and dry cleans her, uh, dry cleans her habit every now and then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't. Chris, you haven't met the real Sister Ivory. So this does make more sense. It's just another one of those things. I don't want to harp on this because it's really irrelevant to what this sort of series is. It does feel like a missed opportunity to do something more interesting with the character and to just be like, because we met Sister and you're like, oh, she works for this villain organization that's okay with like kidnapping and selling like people into slavery and stuff like that and like oh no that's just the evil one there's a good one who's down there i'm like okay it's always the easiest out but fine that's it that's done chapter's over yeah all right let's move on to discuss some uh shonen jump jump starts uh we got the second chapter of chainsaw man um where basically it's mostly about the dynamic that exists uh, between uh, Denji and I don't even where's her fucking name. I don't know. The girl who has basically recruited slash enslaved slash adopted him. And because uh, at first he thinks like, oh, this is going to be great. And then she kind of just starts immediately asserting her authority over him sends him out to go and kill a demon that uh, has apparently kidnapped a girl and tells him to go and kill the demon before uh, before while threatening him with getting euthanized uh, if um, he's useless. So, yay! So, he's he's pretty upset. He's like, oh, I'm getting treated like a dog. And then he's like, oh, right, my dog's dead. (laughs) When he comes across the girl and the demon, it looks as though they're friendly and getting along. And so he's like, okay, well, hey, maybe we can run together. Uh, run off together and we'll all be safe and they uh, hold hands and she starts going ah, ha, ha, ha. and he's like yeah ha, ha. And she's like ah, ha, ha. and she's turned into this muscle demon thing and it's like ah, gotcha. and uh, she's ba- he's the demon has basically taken over this girl's body uh, and he is also tearing Dengji apart because he can control any muscles that he's touching so they just like, all right, fine, fuck you, and transforms into a chainsaw demon and rips it apart immediately. <laughs> and then he comes back with a little girl on his back and collapses straight into his boss's boobs. Um, because, oh yeah, whenever you use chainsaws, they come out Wolverine style through his body and he loses blood from doing that. So, hmm, important thing to note. Um he actually explains how he became like this to her saying, Oh yeah, but she just sacrificed himself. And uh, now he's kind of like part of me. And she says, oh, I believe you actually, cause I have a good nose. So I can tell that your friend is actually alive inside you and not in the poetic sense. Your body actually has two cents, human and a devil. And he's actually really happy to hear about this. Um, then there's a weird moment because He's like, okay, well, I'll eat the Yodan then. And she says, well, you look kind of unsteady. Can you feed yourself? And he's like, yeah, I can. No, no, I can't feed me. And she's so she feeds him and he, she's like, oh, is this good? You like it? He's like, yeah, woof. Like, Creepy. Okay. He says, he's immediately like, yeah, I'm a dog. I'm a good dog. So, mm. Um, And uh, 
then eventually he says, hey, uh, what's your name? And she says, my name is Makima. And she says, and Denji says, what kind of guy do you like? And she says, hmm, someone like this boy named Denji. He's like, oh, Denji. Boy, that's me. And that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> it's really weird. It's an interesting chapter. Uh, it's not the sort of thing you usually expect to see in Jump. Uh, we kind of talked about it last week where it's like very violent. Uh, but it's, it, it is feel like it's meant for definitely a slightly older audience than necessarily mm-hmm. shonen. Um, uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Like there's something with the art style that, that hasn't clicked with me yet. I think a large part of it is that there's a lot of just like plain white backgrounds. White backgrounds. Yeah. It's, it's, you can go entire page without any kind of background whatsoever, which is a little bit distracting. Um, but I, I'm very curious on it, at least in the sense of it feeling so different from everything else. Mm. And it is, um, it definitely has a feel about the, like, yeah, this is like a professionally published series. Uh, so I imagine that as time goes by, uh, the art skills are going to improve. Uh, but it is, it's not even so much like, oh, it's bad. Because, I I mean, it's easy to tell what's going on. Some of the fight scenes do look interesting. I like the design of some of the devils. Um, it's more just, it seems like it doesn't fit in Shonen Jump because it's that more rugged kind of style, I guess you could say, you could call it. Yeah. All right. Do you want to try taking your video down again? You're cutting out a little bit. Yep. Yep. All right. All right. So let me bring that up. All right, uh, and then I guess we talk about neolation. Neolation, or zero semicolonation. Or Persona 5. We didn't have the rights to it, but here's this. <laughs> I mean, hackers are wizards, Chris. Yeah, hackers are wizards. So, yeah, that's that's the entirety of it. Um, he's, he's super good. and uh, He's going to be the brains. The other guy's going to be the muscle. And together, they're going to clean up this town of the evil adults. Yep. I don't mind. I actually kind of enjoyed this series. If only... It, in spite of the main character being a tremendously unlikable dickhead through a lot of it. <laughs> but I... I, I Part of me wants to be patient because I'm like, all right, you know, maybe it's just meant to convey kind of how this character is difficult. Like, he's so good at, you know, machines that he's bad with people kind of mentality. But it is rough when you're like, God, the dude in this series is such an asshole. (laughs) But they do have a secondary lead who's like a normal guy who's like nice about shit. So I'm I'm able to kind of dig it from that angle. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it is kind of weird. It seems as though it's a requirement for hacker uh, based series to just have unlikable douchebag protagonists. That seems to be like a requirement for them, doesn't it? With um, fucking uh, Bloody Monday protagonist in that one, unlikable hacker douchebag. Uh, And uh, then, yeah, this one. So, hmm. As based off the fact, like based off the cover, like the two-page color spread, I get really strong Persona Five vibes from this. So I can't, like, I I see a lot of influence there. So I, I think there's some potential to it. I just don't know how sold in it I am. Mm. 
Also, the command character's name is Neo, but N E lowercase N, lowercase E, and then zero. So lame. So. No, it's super cool. You don't get it. He's awesome. This is such a like twenty years too late kind of vibe. <laughs> like uh, he's a hacker named Neo. <laughs> I mean, I used to think that Nick, but have you ever like gone and looked to see like the names that like uh, this isn't even hackers, but just like what professional gamers go by, and you're like, man, some of these names are so lame. It's because they're teenagers when they come up with them. Exactly. So that's that's, that's why him. I called myself Y Roller of Time for years because I was a lame teenager. So yeah, we all do that. Except for so, me, I never did anything embarrassing as a teenager. Lord Von Quack. So, Shit! <laughs> uh, Alright, yeah. Uh, let's move on to... We Never Learn. Yeah, yeah, we never learn. Question 91. In the shadow of geniuses, X inadvertently opens up. So... It turns out they did kiss right on the lips. Yep. And you got, got, proved you wrong. <laughs> I was just saying, hey, we never know. But uh, Uruka is like, yep, I'm going to study abroad. And uh, I, I really appreciate this because the first thing Uega does is he congratulates her. He's so excited for her. And he does have that moment where he's like, oh, OK, you know, I can kind of see what's happening. But I think it's very important that. She tells this big news, and the first thing he does is he's super excited for her. Really, again, yeah. it just goes to show what kind of selfless nature he has. Yeah. Uh, and she explains, like, yeah, I still have to pass the exam, and I didn't tell you before about it. I've, I've been pretty confused, but, you know, I know what I want now. I want to be the best. So great that you'll never be able to take your eyes off me. So great that I can really inspire you. And she says, so I'm going to swim with everything I got, so just watch me. And of course, Uega, because he's fucking as dense as a rock, is like, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm always going to be watching, obviously. <laughs> and she's happy, so she you know, she walks off, and Uega's just like, oh, I, wanna, I guess, I don't know. She always is cute. And I'm like, god damn it, dude, pick up a fucking hint. <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Hang on a second. Let me get this. Uh... Here we go. I don't know if that's a bit, because we can't. Hang on, let me, let me, uh, let me put this back on for a second. It's like, so you yeah, know, you, you know, you we just says that, right? I just turned the, I just turned the camera back on. Uh, we, we didn't get a visual. Motherfucker. We're fine. <laughs> I do like the, idea. I rolled up a wad of paper and I just smacked it to make it indicate that I was smacking him over the head with it. Oh, okay. there. I like the idea of like Nick having this entire shtick that's off screen and off camera. You're like, no, hold on. All right. And then it goes up the string very slowly. And as you see this rude Goldberg machine going on behind me. <laughs> and reveals like a Sistine Chapel painting. <laughs> I'm like, Nick, we didn't see it. Like, oh, fuck it then. I'm just going to burn it on now. <laughs> oh, it's completely worthless then. Uh, so there's there's this moment then where uh of course Aruka is just like ah oh, that kiss was just practice see uh, it's a totally normal greeting overseas you guys like ah oh, yeah greeting overseas of course I knew that and they get to the next day and you or uh, Aruka's two friends are like no you idiot normal they kiss on the kiss cheek, on the cheek. <laughs> and she's just like no what did I do ah! but they're so impressed because they're like oh you really put the move out there for that. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of uh, tossing with her. But then the one short hair friend's just like, 
Oh, but Uega is surrounded by all those cute girls, so we got to be vigilant. And as, uh, as if on cue, we cut over to Uega studying with Ogata. It's been a while, I think, since we've had a chapter between these two. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially uh, because, you know, Fumino had the five-chapter arc going on, so. Yeah. Wow, you know what? I just realized, and I probably shouldn't say anything because I feel like I'm going to curse the next chapter. We hmm. haven't had Kirisu in a really long time. Next chapter, been, Chris. <laughs> that has been really refreshing. I know. It's going to fuck me over in immediately the next episode, but I appreciate it this time. So. Uh, it is It is kind of one of those th- one of those curses, though, you know, having the, um, the, the fact that uh, we hate the most popular character in this series. Yeah, I don't hate her. She's just always the least enjoyable part of this series. So you hate her. Okay. <laughs> By process of elimination, sir. Uh, so they're uh, they're they're studying kanji, and uh, Ogata asks Yuega, like, "How do I write this?" And he's just like, "All right, just separate your mind from what happened. Don't worry, just focus on this." And he's like, hmm, "Which one?" And he looks up, and the three options are like. Give a clear uh, greeting, pledge one's love with a kiss, or the the fish I just caught was the Japanese kisu. And of course, he's like, God damn it, why? All of them are different ways of saying, yeah, kiss. So, so uh, Ogata, seeing something's wrong with the uh, uh, Uega, presses her head up against his, and it's just like, hmm. 36 degrees Celsius. Uh, uh, 36.7 degrees Celsius. <laughs> yeah, it's like, fuck, man. Slightly warm, but no fever. Uh, and then Yuega uh, kind of pulls aside and he, he sees that when her book bag gets knocked over accidentally, that all these psychology books come out. And he's like, oh. And he thinks to how hard she's studying and then thinks back to Fumino and her, her passion for the stars and the scene that just happened with Haruka saying that she's going to be the best. And Uwega has a very forlorn expression on himself. Uh, and he says, do you ever doubt your chosen path? And she's like, no, no matter what anyone says, I'm always going to choose my path for myself because it's my life. Uh, and she's like, oh, well, hmm, if you're feeling tired, how about this? And I don't know how comfortable I am that Ogata immediately went to hypnotism to, <laughs> to figure this out. But uh, she's like, yeah, we'll just hypnotize you a little bit. Sometimes it lets your subconscious and, you know, relieve some stress. And he's like, I don't think it's going to worse. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, boom. And it just flops into her chest. <laughs> it took two seconds of hypnotism for him to be completely subjected to it. Uh, but she says, please tell me what's uh, bothering you. And well, and this is actually this. This is actually how hypnosis works, too. Mm-hmm. Like, because hypnosis is not always like, no, you will obey my command. It's it's basically there are ways to get yourself to just kind of let the things that are in your subconscious kind of come to the surface. You know, it's how hypnotherapy works. So, so, uh, Uwega starts listing all the girls. And he's like, you know, they're all so amazing and they know what their goals are and they work so hard. And when an obstacle comes up, they, they grapple it and they're, they're just so amazing. And that's why I feel so sad because I don't have that. Hmm. And uh, she says, is there anything you want to do? And he's like, there is, but I can't because it'll inconvenience my family. And they're like, well, that's that's fine. You know, you could be selfish sometimes. He's like, no, I can't. I'm the oldest son. My father's gone. I have a lot of responsibility. <laughs> uh, and uh, Ogata gets very sad because it's very heartbreaking yeah. for her. And she's like, yeah, I, I don't understand 
where you're coming from, but what if you try just being selfish with me right now? And she she kind of you know grabs onto him, uh, and we cut over the Uega waking up, and he's in Ogata's room. He's like, did I did I fall asleep? What's happening? And then there's a a ploof, and I like it because Uega's like ploof, <laughs> like he knows the sound <laughs> effect. He's like oh. And we see that it was her skirt falling to the ground, and Ogata is taking her shirt off. Blurf! What's gonna happen next? I have no idea where this is supposed to be going next, but well, presumably she's going to get changed because she's going to fucking bed. Um, but I, I do really, really like this chapter, at least up to this point. I mean, you know. The fact that it's Ogata doing this so that Yui can, you know, slump against her breasts aside. This is something that we have really not seen from him up to this point that we've kind of always been wondering about, which is just like, you know, you keep on talking about you know, this stuff. It's like, do you have like a past of your own? And uh, it seems that he has an interest of his own, but he just, you know, can't allow himself to follow it because he's got to get a good job, get a good good get a good education, get a good job, get and make money for his family. And this is something that was, you know, addressed before this point, but just, you know, very, very briefly uh, prior to this with the conversation between he and his mother. So it seems that this is probably actually the next big thing that a character in the series has to address. And I'm glad that it's going to be something related to Yuiga himself, who just tends to just kind of be the observer or the helper uh, the one who helps other people with their big issues. Uh, you know, this makes him seem more like a, a character unto himself. So good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I truly appreciate having this kind of angle with your lead character because it feels very earnest. You know, I, I think you could force some schlock to put a drama on your, your harem lead, but generally speaking, you don't want to, cause you don't want to give them too many personality traits so that, you know, fans can't see themselves in them, but I like Uega having this because it it, it also get, puts a give and take to this relationship too, where it's not just Uega coming in solving all these problems. It's like, oh yeah, he's got his own things to deal with too, and you know, the the friends he's made are hopefully going to be able to help him out through this. Yeah. Right. And then of course it has to end with Ogata taking her shirt off because I mean, this is sort of serious <laughs> yeah. this is, but hey, what are you gonna do? Ogata's like primary character attributes seem to have shifted to, um, you know, she is a robot and she has big tits uh, over the last, you know, 50 or so chapters. So, yeah. Let's move on then to Dr. Stone, Chris. It's time to get stoned. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 yes. So, I am a stone American. Fight for the rights of Stonicans. I am a real mix singing with me, Stone American. Fight for your rock. Well, hold on, fight for your um science. Fight for the Brian's. There's a Brian somewhere. And he he does you know he plays guitar over all the important like uh Doctor Stone locations, um, the Gorilla Tank, and um, the the cave fighting yeah the fighting pit that was a that was an important location. Um, hold on, I'm gonna give me some time. I can come up with full lyrics for this. Okay, so comes. 
<laughs> what rhymes with crashing in his science? <laughs> Alright, I'll figure that one. I'll come back to that one later. So Senku uh, and company uh, have to actually get something to fuel a proper ship so that they can sail across the ocean. And Senku has decided it's going to be fucking oil. Uh, and hey, it turns out the primary export of Shizuoka actually is oil, which shocks the hell out of Gen. Uh, he's like, yeah, there's, you know, the Sagara oil field. You know, they stopped pumping once profits dipped, but that black gold should still be down there. A treasure spot where we can dig up some of the highest quality oil in the world. Uh, so... Chrome is uh, is going to set off with Kohaku and, and, and Ukyo, and they're like, yeah, we're going to go on an expedition, and uh, we'll get this resource. Uh, and we'll, Yeah, awesome. But uh, the captain that they have recruited, whose name I have already forgotten. Sorry. I just don't really like him. So uh, he says, like, hey, you know what? If you get that oil, and uh, then I will help you navigate to the other side of the world. But... I'll be responsible for your lives and risking my own. So in that case, I will require a reward, which will be full rights and ownership of that oil field. And Gen's like, I, I, seriously, come on. Uh, and the, the captain just like, come on, you know, the, the cost of your own lives is at stake here. Yeah, so if you, if my price is too much, then you, you should just go get another captain. And Senka says, eh, you're the best available. So sure, whatever, go ahead and rip us off. <laughs> I do love that. So he's just like, yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, Gen, of course, is still very worried about this because, uh, you know, he's just like, but, you know, Ryusui could just hoard all the oil himself and then we wouldn't have any fuel for the voyage. And Ryusui says, ah, well, if you guys want oil, then you'll have to buy it. And he has uh, a worker at the village make a stamp for him so that he can stamp out and print his own currency, these dollar bills that uh, have like a dragon on them. Uh, and from this, he basically immediately becomes a millionaire. Like uh, he gets this nice uh, little gazebo built up. A uh, bunch of people are, you know, fanning him and bringing him food. And Kinro and Ginro are like, what the fuck is this? Come on. Yo <laughs> um, comes in and he says, hey, you know, uh, hey, you know, you want know, to be friends? I'm a former cop. So just... <laughs> and he has his eyepiece back. He has his eyepiece. And I'm sure it's going to be perfectly it's... fine and stay that way forever. It's going to be there with him forever. The rest of his life. So Ryusui uh, says like, ah, look, this is Dragos, the exclusive currency developed by Ryusui Corp. So he's got his own Bitcoin, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. Start investing so, now, guys. Yeah. And uh, he says, like, you, I'm going to be selling oil $100 per milliliter, so you better earn some. And he was like, what the fuck do I care about oil? Uh, and there is the uh, guy who's been serving him fruit uh, says, like, hey, where can I spend this cash? And Riesui points over to where uh, Suika and, oh, gosh, what was her fucking name? It was fucking Sukasa's younger sister. Beginning with a Y, I think. Sister, what? Who cares? Little little Sukasa sister. So um, they're selling cotton candy and ramen for like $100, $200. And Yo's eyes burst out of his uh, of his sockets again. Break the stone fragment again. It's gone again. It's gone forever. Never, it's never coming back. <laughs> Just like Sukasa or uh, Yo's eye fragment. It's dead, never coming back. That's the exactly. 
So, um, Maria Sue's like, yeah, they've already engaged in the in the economy, so they can buy stuff up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the little girls are like, yeah, we've got to do this in order to in, in order to raise money so, so that we can actually so that we can help out the kingdom of science. And uh, the manga artist is selling manga for money. Uh, Yo immediately buys into the you know capitalism thing. Um, the reporter lady is of course worried about Ryusui, uh, and Sengu just says, "Hey, look, currency is another fabulous invention of science. It represents people's hard work condensed into physical form. And since he went to the trouble of creating money, we'll just have to exploit the system for all it's worth." Yep. So people are saving up money, running around doing errands so that uh, Ryusui will pay them. And uh, Nikki is pretty upset with him, of course, uh, because and she points out, hey, you know, there's no oil to sell just yet. So what value do these scraps of paper even have? And Ryusui says, ah, excellent question. The value of currency has little to do with what's behind it. It's about trust. Trust that Senku's chums will find an oil field. That expectation, that hope, will turn my scraps of paper into real treasure. And uh, sure enough, uh, cutting over to uh, Chrome's group, they find a waterfall uh, and uh, they start to go down a mountainside to explore it. Uh, Chrome uh, slips and hurts his head and gets a boo-boo for a bit. But... uh, then Kahaka points out, it's like, okay, yeah, beyond this point, you know, the land gets really rugged. It's west of that great peak. And Ukyo looks at this mountain and he's mystified for a moment and he says, of course. How could we have been so naive about just how long 3,700 years really is? And they set up the cell phone and uh, phone over to Senku and uh, they report that the shoreline is rugged, the inland is really rugged, and Senka says, ah, of course, it's pretty obvious if you think about it. Real scientists would be disappointed in me for forgetting that it happens every few centuries. The eruption of Mount Fuji, each blast a cataclysm capable of reshaping the land itself, and during the 3,700 years that we slept, it must have blown its top at least four or five times, maybe as many as ten times, so any modern topographic map made from our knowledge is ten billion percent useless. So, of course, they're going to need to make a new map uh, in order to actually properly navigate. Nick, um, do you think the giant Gundam statue survived? Yes. <sighs> okay. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it did. I'm ready to keep going then. So, they're going to have to gradually explore and create a new map. Uh, and without it, they're not going to be able to dig for oil properly because they won't have many landmarks and they won't know where the hell the oil is actually going to be for them to uh, drill for it. Um, so Suika looks around and she says, like, you know, I, I wish that we could, you know, instead just ride around on a big bird and look down from the sky and then we could see exactly what the land looks like. And so it's like, yep, we're going to need that. We're going to need some hemp. And every last person here has got to start gathering up tons of it. And with this, we're going to make use of all those dragos they saved up. Because unless they want to, they get to work at harvesting hemp, that all-important oil is never going to be ours. Uh, and so we cut over to Yo and a bunch of uh, jerks who have got a bunch of money. And they're like, yes, I'm rich. And Gen says, like, I don't know. If we can't find that oil, then the Drago for oil exchange is going to be meaningless. And the money you worked so hard to give up is going to be worthless. And, of course, everyone freaks out. And Gen's like, no, it's okay. There's a way to make sure that all of that stuff that you've got there is not going to be better than just paper. 
and is to harvest hemp. And so they go out and, and grab a bunch of hemp for everyone so that they'll be able to preserve the value of their money, make a huge fucking pile of it. And uh, with this, they're going to create hot air balloons so that they can actually properly explore the area uh, from the sky. So, yeah, sounds exciting. Ever been in a hot air balloon, Nick? Uh, no, I have not. I've never been in one, but I can remember a couple times going to there. There used to be a hot air balloon show around here. And it was always a somewhat exciting thing. You know, thinking back on it, it really was the class divide because we were the poor people who sat on the ground while a bunch of rich families got in hot air balloons. Oh, yes. Look at me up here above all the commoners. Mm. And we're sitting there like, golly gee, wouldn't it be great to be one of the rich people up in the hot air balloons? You can keep on dreaming, you pieces of garbage. (laughs) Wow. I can't wait for we try to get out of this parking lot and it takes us three and a half hours. Jesus Christ. It really did actually take us a really long time to get home. And this is before cell phones or anything like that. So you just sat there and talked to your family. It was awful. I hated going on those like, let's go watch something in the sky uh, little trips. I hated them. I hated going to fireworks shows. I think we only ever did it. I think we did it twice. And I don't even know if they still do it anymore. It's one of those things, I guess, looking back, I'm glad I have the memory of. But sure. yeah, at the time, it's one of those things where you're like, fuck. Uh, uh, well, no, uh, Replica, because I, Game Boys, I think, did exist back then. But this was before like the Game Boy SPs. So there weren't lights for them. Mm-hmm. Or if they were, they just weren't ones that we had. So this, you know, it got done at like six o'clock or seven o'clock at night. So when you're sitting in the parking lot for two hours trying to get out, it's dark yeah. and, you know, your batteries run out. and Yeah. And I'm saying is this is a problem, you know, if like one of my grandparents were alive here and be right now, they'd just be like, fuck you! Never got a Game Boy in the morning either! Uh, but yeah, no, it was, a, it was a very interesting time. Anyway, great chapter, 10 out of 10. Uh, what, what was it about? Um, okay. Currency. Yeah, and how easy it is to manipulate the market. All right, Seven Deadly Sins. All right, let's talk about Seven Deadly Sins. Load the correct page, please. Uh, chapter 293. When, quote-unquote, someday comes true. So, last time, Bond showed back up. He's He's been freed from, from purgatory, and he's, he's back with Elizabeth and King and uh, Diane. And uh, immediately everyone's like, oh, thank God Bond's all right. Elizabeth walks up, and she's like, and Melodious, I trust his soul was all right, too. Bond's like, don't you worry, princess. I guarantee he's coming back for you. Then he kind of looks around. He says, you guys go to where the captain is. I'll join you once I've accomplished my goal. And then we cut over to where Big Battle was happy with the demons. And the fairies are kind of trying to hold them off. Particularly, Aline is there trying to hold them off. Uh, And she looks like she's been through some shit. (laughs) You can Mm. see uh, quite a lot of battle scars and battle wounds and everything like that. A lot of bloody faces. Uh, Gerard is like, don't push yourself. She's like, no, I mean, hey, I'm only I'm only able to do this thanks to the temporary loan of the way of the hateful dead revival. So, uh, you know, I'm going to push myself as fucking far as I can get, really. So, you know, she's she's summoning all these big attacks and, you know, she's she's, you know, creating openings. Uh, And then she says, yeah, that's why I have to fight, too, because Bond's fighting. And I I I wouldn't you know, be able to face him otherwise. And her, you know, she's saying this as her wings start breaking and they start kind of fluttering away like flower petals and she falls from the sky. 
and she thinks to herself, Bon, I wish we could have one last time together. And then we see like an image of all these demons kind of closing in to like snatch at this easy prey. And then we see an image of Bond's hand and it just kind of snaps, just makes a crick. And in that single movement, he seemingly kills every demon that's around them or just Pretty much. Like shatters their faces. Uh, and then he catches a lean and he says, sorry, I'm late. And they have a very sweet moment where she's like, I'm not dreaming, is it? I mean, I, I used up too much energy, but I'm, I'm happy. And all I wanted was to be held like this just one last time. Everyone's very sad because our eyes close and our arms fall. And they, they realize that she's dead. And Bond just says, it's not the last time. And he uses Gift, his new ability, and he starts pouring life energy into her. And I think it's Gerard who says this. I can't remember, but I think so. It's one of the other elves. It's just like, mm. if you do this, you're putting too much in. You're going to use everything you got from the Fountain of Youth, and you won't be immortal anymore. Bon is absolutely sure of this. Pours everything in, and Aline wakes up. And she's like, are you sure? You've lost your immortality. He's like, I don't care about that. As long as I was able to keep my promise to you. Because someday I'll steal you away, Elaine. You're mine for the rest of our lives. They hug in this big embrace. That's where the chapter ends. This is a very sweet chapter. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's, you don't really see this kind of chapter from a lot of the Shonen Battle series that we read. Just mm-hmm. this entire chapter just dedicated to these two characters fucking love each other. Yeah. That that that's the entire chapter is based around that. It's a huge over the top dramatic moment, and it's just dedicated to finally they're getting their happy ending, and I love it. So I do too. And you know what? I, I honestly, Seven Deadly Sins has been a very special series in that it has been one of the few shonen battle manga that has not really shirked away from like committing to romance in any way. Mm-hmm. And I do wish that became more of a trend because like. It is very satisfying. I mean, you're not even somebody who really likes necessarily romance or pairing in, in, in like these series, but it is satisfying that when it's set up, that it actually like gives you a, a payoff like this, as opposed to being like, I don't know, one day Sakura and Sasuke probably get together. I don't know. Yeah, there's a, look, they got married between now and the time skip. Yeah, he like fucking. They're married and have kids now. He fucking like finger punched her forehead like seven times. So that means he loves her. <laughs> It's nice getting a moment like this where you're just like, ah, it's a very sweet moment. I forgot about that. <laughs> it means he loves you. He doesn't have to say it. He just pokes you in the head. That means he loves you. <laughs> and uh, like, and, and this isn't the first time. We, we had King and Diane. Uh, I imagine mm-hmm. we're going to get Melodious and Elizabeth and a more like in this iteration version. So and maybe well, something the, with Merlin and Escanar. And, and, well, there's uh, Elizabeth and Gil Thunder, uh, all, all sorts of different explorations of like, hey, you know, char- these characters are in love or one character loves this other character and that affects the way they fucking behave. So, yeah, yeah. it's just satisfying to see it play out when a when a person who's like, let me deliver a satisfying, cool battle conclusion also says, let me deliver a satisfying romantic conclusion as well. It's a very it's a very satisfying moment. All right, uh, let's go on to talk a bit about the Promised Neverland. It's uh, yeah, chapter one hundred and fifteen, Jin and Hayato. 
uh, last time Ray and Emma and Dawn had come across a couple of humans who uh, were uh, cornered by demons in the forest. Uh, and uh, they saved them from them with incredible uh, efficiency. Just shoot them in the head. Blam, blam, blam. Arrows uh, and guns. And then Ray holds uh, one of the two uh, guys that they've saved at gunpoint. And he's like, don't make a move. Not until I've said my sweet catchphrase. And uh, instead, the guy just bows down to him and thanks him profusely for saving their lives. Um, like, thank you so much, baby memories. <laughs> I, I, but I haven't explained to you how superior I am to you yet. What are you doing? Stop it. I don't know how to react to this. Normally, people don't actually treat me with respect. <laughs> um, so they go on like that and they're like, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then they realize, like, wait a minute, you guys are humans. <laughs> It's a weirdly comedic moment because, like, Ray and Dawn have the giant face reactions. Like, are you serious? You'd only just notice? It's, it's always kind of odd whenever that happens in The Promised Neverland. It's because it, it's happened so infrequently. This so. series has become so strange in the past month where it's become more and more like traditional shonen with like, let's have a bunch of exaggerated gag, like reaction sort of things. Like let's set up a bunch of characters with kind of crazy designs. And I'm like, this is, this is, I feel like I need to like, like wink at the, like at the manga. Like, are you in trouble? Just blink twice for yes. You know, like, (laughs) are you, is someone in your house? We had to become more marketable because we're getting an anime. I had no choice. I, I would not be, stunned if that's the case which is strange because if the anime is ever going to get to this point it would have had to have already been successful it's not going to like get to the third arc off of like well maybe late like three seasons later it gets better (laughs) so um they uh say that they've actually been looking for uh the kids uh under orders from william minerva which of course is shocking news to emma and everyone else so the two of them get brought over to the rest of the group and the two, the duo are incredibly excited over everything because like they're all these runaways are so capable and they've actually treated their injuries and stuff. Um, and uh, so of course, Emma starts asking questions like, Hey, so William Nerva, like he's been releasing farms. Did he made a community and they're like, yeah, yeah. William Nerva is incredible. He's sharp. He's smart. He's like a God. In just half a year, he's destroyed many farms, saved hundreds of children, and is taking care of them. So, of course, all of the kids are like, wow, this is great, yeah. Um, and uh, the two reveal their markings um, on their chests, uh, saying, yeah, we were, we were saved by him as well. And uh, a couple of the kids look over to Adam because he's... Tattoo is in the same place, so they wonder if uh, maybe they're from the same place then. Um, they, of course, ask for more questions, uh, exchange some information, and say, hey, we can guide you to our base, and we'll have food, a place to rest, there's medicine. Um, of course, Gilda is concerned that, uh, hey, have you not been discovered by, discovered by the demons or the Rotary clan? Because if you've been causing all that trouble, wouldn't they be onto you? And uh, they say, no, 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 no. We haven't been attacked by our enemies. We've got powerful people protecting us. And to us, the base is literally paradise. Above all, as long as we have him, our boss, 
we are invincible. And of course, all the kids are like, oh, yay, things are going to be great from now on. Things are going to be fine now. No. <laughs> Everything's going to be okay. Even Emma is like, Mr. Minerva's alive. He was safe. I'm so glad. And we have allies in this world. We're going to finally meet him. And Ray's like, I am suspicious. <laughs> um, and uh, he asks one of the two guys, uh, Jin, uh, how far away is your base? And Dawn actually does something kind of clever because he's like, yeah. And uh, is it near that? What was it called? The draft's neck? And Hayato, the other one, says, ah, oh, you must mean the jaw of the lion. So I was like, oh, okay. So maybe these guys are actually telling the truth if they're actually, you know, using the proper terminology here. And they conclude, they're like, okay, but these guys aren't actually lying. They know about the broadcast. They know about the jaw of lions. So, okay, well, I guess we can trust them. And uh, so they accept the offer of Forge and Hayato to uh, escort them to uh, the William Nervous base. And uh, when asked, like, are you, are you OK with this? Because we're like outsiders. Like, no, 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 no. We're this is what the boss wants and we owe him our lives. So, yes, we'll do it. Uh, so they say it's going to take them a few days to get there. Uh, but a problem arises because Chris, Chris okay. is day is dying. <laughs> oh, no. Chris. No, not Chris. The. That guy who... I think he painted, or he liked art, maybe? Hmm. He's he's not the cookies kid. See, this is the real consequence of having the nameless people die, and they're just like, well, they're just dead. It's, it's like, oh no, not this guy. Now I don't care. Like, you've programmed me to not care when before it would have actually mattered at least a little bit more because every life matters to Emma. Now I can't really buy into that as much anymore. It's it's so. the very solid example of that scene from order into stick where they're just like, no, what's, what's your name? Like, uh, you know, whatever his name was. He's like, Oh, I think Daigon, I'm okay I now. Think. Yeah. Daigo. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, it's that same thing where you're like, I guess Chris survives by the nature of him actually having a name. But the other guys that just died, it was just like, oh, no, those dudes or whatever. Like, or like if only Hugo and Lucas had died before this point, then this would have more weight still, because then you could still buy the like, oh, no, Emma is desperate not to lose anyone else. And I know that that's what you're supposed to think. But because there are characters who are dead who just don't have names and aren't really remembered by name. It's, it's like, well, then they were not important. <laughs> yeah, it's like everyone is like a person in my family. Like, what about those guys? I don't know. Like the cousins three uh, times removed or something. I think they had a Hugo, Lucas, the other three. Hugo, <laughs> Lucas, I, I want to say Mac, Tristan. Was one of them named Oreo for some reason? Like, what's <laughs> I think there's like a weird name in there, like Oreo or or. or, or or Triscuit. It was like a it was like a cookie name or something like a, like, a, like a snack kind of thing. Anyway, I'm very sad they're gone. He's <laughs> just like uh, Hershey, uh, Nestle. He's like Emma. You're just thinking of chocolate. Like <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm always gonna miss Godiva. <laughs> I will all. <laughs> I'll always miss Reese. <laughs> I'm gonna miss Kit Kat and Snickers and what call it? All of my favorites. 
Emma, Wonka bar. <laughs> Emma, I think you're just hungry. No, I'm not. How dare you? Emma, <laughs> have a Snickers because you because you get you not you when you're hungry. How dare you say that? Sweet, sweet, sleep peacefully. Sweet Reese's fast break. <laughs> oh God! I'll always miss you, white chocolate peanut butter cup. I'd be able to contribute more to this if I actually ate chocolates. <laughs> You'll live on in my dreams, tropical Skittles. <laughs> oh, Starburst, you were the best of all of us. Strawberry I'll never. <laughs> this is just as bad as when we lost Jolly Rancher. <laughs> oh, this cruel world. All right. No, Ben, Jerry. <laughs> oh, I never. I feel like there was so much left to say with Chunky Monkey <laughs> and Cherry Garcia. Oh God! All right. So Chris is in that shape. Yeah. Um, he's not. Oh, we're actually... talking about the manga. Sorry, yes, yes, yeah. Uh, everyone's like, "Well, what about Mujica's herbs?" I'm like, "No, we already applied them. Maybe he's got an infection. We've got to do this, but we don't have any antibiotics. So what are we going to do? He's going to die." Uh, and Emma starts freaking out. Uh, and uh, Hayato says, "Well, there is a way." We could save Chris. There's a farm nearby that we could steal medicine from that we could use. And we'll lead you there and we'll sneak into the farm. So um, go, 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 go. Uh, we barely gotten over this revelation. And we, now we've got a new wrinkle to have to deal with. Um, okay. Yep. It's a very, very significant thing. Gotta save Chris. Yeah. I, am, I am more intrigued by the idea of like, oh, to do it, they got to break into a farm. Yeah, that's different. It is, but at the same time, I th I think I'm only interested to see what a different farm looks like. Because honestly, the breaking back into a farm thing was always kind of been teased out there as like, that's what they're going to do to save Phil and the other kids. So, I mean, unless they're just nixing that, because Andrew kind of hinted at like, maybe he did something to Phil or whatever, you know, maybe there's something there. But it does at least strike at something that's intriguing to the core of what this series is about. Right. Let's try and get through our next couple of series really quickly then, because yep, uh, uh, we've got to talk about World Trigger at the end of yep. this. So. Page 185, Dream Eater. Uh, the heroes... This is for Black Clover, by the way. Yes, yeah. Black Clover. Uh, the heroes are trapped inside... Well, most of the heroes are trapped inside Dorothy Unsworth's, the elf version's, uh, glamour world. Uh, they just realize that if they make Dorothy think something then it becomes a reality inside this world. So a bunch of exits appeared, and they were like, let's go! But then Dorothy snatched all of them up and changed. She's like, no, not gonna do it. And very much uh, to simplify things, they use a combination of techniques to make Dorothy see a visual of herself. Even it's in smoke, but they're like, all she needs is a moment, and then she believes it's a reality, and what she essentially does is create the real Dorothy Unsworth, who... Is a very peppy person, apparently, when she's not sleeping. Right. Uh, Charmy's very upset because this character has just taken her Lolita character, who's actually much older spot. And I was like, is this character supposed to be Lolita? Because, I mean, she looks kind of short, but I don't 
I mean, Charmy looks like a fucking child. Like, Charmy looks like she's six. This character, I'm like, I don't know, maybe 13 at the worst or something like that. Uh, and this, this Dorothy and, and the other Dorothy, Elf Dorothy, Orphy, uh, they have their big uh, fantasy magic world battle. And their battle's so chaotic. There's sea serpents and giant knights and bubbles bursting and flame attacks. And it's all so crazy that Dream World can't support two of them. And it tears itself apart, freeing all of them. And with themselves free, all they need now is for Luck and Magna to team up for a big attack to take out the real, uh, well, not the real, the uh, Elfsworth in the real world. And that's that's where our chapter ends as the two of them prepare to land their giant magic attack. Yeah. I mean, there there is a, uh, co- some cool shots when the two Dorothys are fighting. I like the, you know multi-armed uh knights uh actually i guess there's just two knights there oh well uh fighting with the snakes there's like fire tigers and sharks flying through the air it's a really cool visual um but yeah that's all right i like it it's it's definitely a more creative end to this fight than i was worried we were going to get it does fall into that realm of like imagination reaches this breaking point the same way that the well actually no because that wasn't uh, gremmy imagined something he just couldn't imagine a body containing how much power can botchy like it was incomprehensible thing sort i like this ending much much better (laughs) i'll say that uh i guess this is also our quote-unquote introduction to the real dorothy unsworth i don't know if this is it'd be great if they were like like they meet her in real life, they're like, "Why aren't you peppy and excited like you were in the other one?" She's like, "What the fuck?" Fucking tired. She's like, "I'm not like that. You just made up a person and imprinted their personality onto me." There you go. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, going on from there, it's One Piece. Okay. So <clears throat> it's uh, fucking One Piece, chapter nine hundred twenty-seven. Otoko the Kamoro. Uh. People are, are enjoying Sanji's soba, and uh, I like how everyone is like, uh, "It's like this is good stuff." Sanji and Sanji's like, "I don't fucking care what you think, except for Robin," because and he's freaking out because she's you know in her geisha guys right now. Uh, and we get follow up from the last chapter where uh, people were upset that Sanji had intruded on someone's territory. It turns out it wasn't a restaurant owner or something like that. That would have been too fun, I guess. It's basically like you opened a business here without paying for protection to us, the mob in this area, the Kyoshiro family. Um, one of whom is named Kaku. So that's hmm. interesting. Yeah. So uh, Robin brings up that's like, oh, I was in a banquet hall, belonged to a person named Kyoshiro not long ago. So I guess these are his henchmen. And uh, it's the same guy who had said that, uh, hey, Shogun Orochi is a coward. Um, so they now know, oh, my guy must have been a, a Yakuza boss, I guess. So uh, these guys start immediately wrecking up uh, the place, uh, knocking a bunch of soba into the ground, including the, some that this, uh, uh, little, this little person had, uh, which is really weird because um, they start crying while laughing. Uh, which comes up later. So, of course, Sanji is really, really, really pissed off over this because they've, you know, knocked a bunch of food to the ground. So, uh, Usopp and Robin move out of the way, Usopp continuing to eat soba noodles as he does so, while uh, Frankie and Sanji take care of things. Sanji, you know, kicks one straight to the ground. 
Frankie grabs a guy and like leaps 300 feet into the air before German suplexing him. I fucking love Frankie. Ow. <laughs> um, and uh, then Sanji grabs a bunch of noodles off the ground and starts force feeding him to the guy that he knocked out. Uh, the last guy runs off while saying, oh, you guys are going to regret this, of course. Um, so all the people that had gathered around when the fighting started had run off, except for uh, the little kid who uh, got their soba knocked out of their hands. And Sanji get, serves them a, a one last bowl that they had and say, hey, you know, eat, eat this up. And uh, it's a little city girl named Toko. And uh, she laughs while crying again. Uh, and says, ah, I've never had such yummy soba. Uh, and they kind of immediately take take to Toko. Um, and um, Toko says, like, oh, you should say, you know, with the honorific O in front of it. And uh, Robin's like, oh, OK, Otoko. And she's like, ah, that's the Japanese word for man. And I'm not a man. Ha 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 And apparently this is hilarious to Frankie and Usopp. So. I mean, it's moderately amusing. I guess it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, I'm not laughing at anything you say while you're looking at me with those demon eyes, kid. <laughs> that mouth is going to devour me alive. It's ready to annihilate your soul. So Toko thanks uh, Sanji for the food and then says, Oh no, I'm in, I, I'm, I'm, I'm late. I've got to go. I've got to head to the Oyoran's procession. And Robin realizes, Oh, you must be a Kamuro. And uh, Toko says, that's right. And it's every, already getting started, so I've got to hurry. Bye. And uh, he, she invites them to go and watch the procession because the Oiran is very beautiful. Everyone is kind of, uh, you know, taken with this kid. And uh, Sanji's like, oh, we can go to an Oiran's pr- pr- procession? Yeah. And he starts to immediately go into, you know, woman-hungry mode. And Frankie's like, what the fuck are all these things that you're talking about? What's an Oiron? What's a Kamuro? And immediately this random woman appears out of nowhere and is like, what is an Oiron, you ask? <laughs> and so <laughs> it's actually uh, Robin's instructor uh, from before who was instructing her in, in you know, the ways of the geisha and uh, says that she's been looking for her and uh says that the Oiron is a courtesan, the top idol of Wano, a superstar. Oh, no, she said superstar, so Frankie freaks out a little bit. Um, she just kind of, you know, gives a little bit more information about this per- particular uh, Oiron, Kumurasaki, uh, a regal as a god, womanhood perfected. That is Kumurasaki the Oiron. And uh, everyone's like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, and then there's a weird moment where she says, like, ah, don't take my word for it. See her with your own eyes. Look, you can hear it now. The cheers of excitement and quickening rhythms that surround her presence. And when she says, you can hear it now, she cups her ear. So then Frankie and Usopp and Sanji all cup their ears, too. And Sanji's ear extends out like a foot away from his head. It's there's some weird little moments like that in all throughout this chapter. Just. I don't know. Something about the way that his ear sticks out really grabbed my attention. So, so of course, um, that's the big thing that's going on. And then the woman says, "Like, all right, hey, you know, you're 
you're, I, I know you've been hoping to meet Shogun Orochi in person, so come back and prepare at once so that we can do that. And yay. Uh, we see, we don't see Komurasaki in full. We just kind of see her striding by and see like the robe that she's wearing, but don't see her face. And people are like, oh my God, she's so beautiful. She's blinding. Uh, Toko comes and uh, manages to reach, um, I guess, a member of the procession. And uh, But she actually seems to know Kamurasaki personally because she says, like, oh, you have me worried. Uh, then we cut to, like, the aftermath of her presence because at least 20 people have been knocked out from nosebleeds just from being in her presence because she's so beautiful, Chris. She's, she's very, so beautiful. Very beautiful. Yes. Uh, then we get to, uh, you know, the one guy, the one mafia guy that escaped reports back and, uh, yeah, they're going to go and send someone that's going to cause a big scene. And meanwhile, he's like, I'm going to show Shogun Orochi, we actually cut to inside of the house where there are fucking dragons, I guess, talking to him? There's a bunch of uh, dragon heads there. I don't know if I don't know if that's supposed to be the wall itself or are there like shadows of actual dragons inside the room. I don't know if it's supposed to be a literal thing or if it's supposed to be the interpretation is that he's like the secret thing kind of hounding her. Like he's this hydra or some snake thing that's that's coming after her. Like if it's a literal thing that he's right behind her. If this was supposed to be symbolic that he's like, I'm coming after you now. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of Japanese mythology here that we're not gonna get because we're not experts in that field at all. So uh, do do be patient with us if you're like you're knowledgeable on this stuff and you're like, obviously this is a reference to the eight headed Orochi snake. I'm like, I don't know. Sure. I'm not doubting you. I just don't know that entire mythology. So, yeah, that's um, that's One Piece, and we don't have any One Piece next week, so I guess we'll see it, what, like, next year? <laughs> so uh, I think there's one more chapter within this year. I think there's a chat. I think there's, like, a week where we do get series. Like, it's, like, Christmas break, a week we have it, and then, like, a New Year's kind of break, I think. Mm. Uh, Yamato no Orochi is the famed eight-headed serpent of mythology. So there you go. All right. So um, yeah, that that chapter happened. World trigger. World trigger. Uh, oh, pardon me. Well, this is actually kind of yeah. It was weird. Uh, I don't know if like it's just going to be published this way from now on. If they were like, okay, Ashihara, you know, you just, you know, make monthly chapters. And I was like, I'm, I'm okay. Well, I'm going to frame it. Like it's two chapters. So. Fuck you. Only two <laughs> chapters. The best off is one monthly chapter. Like, I mean, I, I, you do. That's you. fine. I guess. No, fuck <laughs> you. I'm fighting the system. Very beautiful. Uh, two page color spread, uh, to open up the chapter. I, um, I, I will not lie. I had a small moment when I saw this because this is the same layout they do for their anniversary chapters. Mm-hmm. And this is essentially the quote unquote fourth year anniversary, I think, of World Trigger. That's what this is supposed to represent. I mean, we were long past four years of World Trigger, uh, but that's what this is. And I, I love 
Like there's there's got to be something interesting to putting all the images like next to one another and seeing how they change. Like you mm-hmm. seeing like Yuma now doesn't even bother holding a thing; it just becomes a scorpion. And Osamu's you know try on you can see like uh, it's it's sort of split apart for the spiders. And Chica's has become black to show that she's using those weighted bullets. It's, it's a very cool thing, a very awesome visual. And butterflies. Look at all the butterflies. I love it. I love the colors that World Trigger uses for these. I, I love the visuals of it. it. It's just great. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to then. Let's see. We're picking up to where. Uh, oh, Taichi's gotten eliminated off screen. <laughs> Fuck him. They didn't just show them fucking like stabbing his face off. Explosion. <laughs> so. He's been forced to bail out, uh, and is the first one eliminated from the match. So Susanari wins. Let's turn off the light strategy. Yeah, that's over and done with. Uh, no luck there. So uh, from there, uh, Yuma and <clears throat> pardon me, Yuma and uh, Hughes just start making their way through the mall, and they're moving together. Uh, they've built themselves up through the giant space between all of the balconies uh, as they move. And Osmus, you know, sees this happening and warns his two uh, teammates. And uh, at, so he's able to actually warn them about this because they're moving uh, while wearing bagworms. And then they dismiss the bagworms when they actually close into the fight going on between uh, Susanari squad and Kagura squad. And uh, so everyone's trying to figure out, like, well, well what's going to happen here? Because um, we've got like a three-way fight on, on our hands. Uh, we don't really know exactly a whole lot about what Tamakuma's rookie can do because the only thing that we've actually seen him use is the bagworm up to this point. Although I thought that he was using Escudo in addition to Yuma, but I could, I could be wrong. Well, so. they, nobody knows what he's used to this point. Like the, every the only thing that he's visually done to this point is be in rank wars with kogetsu so right. people can assume that he he uses kogetsu but visually right now no one knows what his usual trigger setup is outside the fact that they're like oh well he's using bagworm right uh so a bunch of bullets get exchanged between them nothing's really hitting because everyone's got their shields up and uh hughes starts communicating with uh osama and says okay are you making your way up and he's managed to evade uh Emma and uh, the two Ozma squad attackers. And uh, so he's like, okay, you know, and, and now Emma's isolated. So let's, let's, uh, so, uh, the two attackers are trying to uh, catch him in a pincer move. Uh, a whole lot of stuff is happening all at the same time. Cause there's so many people involved and she could just kind of like, all right, I'm going to go get a snack guys. <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> um, so everyone's like, oh, my God, the three-way att- attack's going to happen. Uh, Yuma and Hughes properly engage, but they do so by summoning a bunch of Eskido in between Zoe and uh, Kageyura. So they just completely cut him off uh, from they – com- they completely cut uh, Kageyura off from everyone else so that they can just deal with him. Uh, Kageyura is able to react with his side effect and uh there's a freaking ton of meteor bullets to get launched by hughes but it's used as a distraction so that uh yuma can come in uh he starts using his uh 
blade in a bunch of different ways to try and evade their attacks. Like he sticks it out through the side of his leg and he actually chops off Yuma's arm uh, with it. Uh, and so he's like, ah, you're trying to take me on two at once, huh? Because he's even landed some hits on uh, Hughes with that counter. And so Hughes just says, like, no, I'm not really trying to double team you because he delayed a bunch of the bullets instead. So they've launched a three way attack on him. <laughs> and Kagura gets fucking wrecked by this. His legs get ripped apart. <laughs> um, and they realize, like, oh, he held back half the bullets from the meteor so that they were able to launch a three way pincer attack like this. And Osamu is trying to figure out what's going on here because they're like, huh, well, Hughes could have also used the Viper like he was we had planned before so that he could change the trajectory on it. He could have finished him off with that. Uh, Kagira is basically finished off at this point, so he bails out before he can be finished off as we start the next chapter, uh, Hughes part five. And... uh, Zoe comes bursting through the wall and actually a really cool kind of pose because he's like just kind of taking a long step through the wall as he comes through. It looks like he does actually just kick his way through the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Zoe. I like to think he just shouts his name like a Pokemon. <laughs> Zoe. Zoe. <laughs> dunk, 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 dunk. And it looks like he's going to rescue Kagaira uh, at this point. I, I kind of gave away the what the result of this whole thing. But it looks like he's going to uh, rescue Kagaira at this point. But Yuma summons a bunch of es- uh, rather Hughes summons a bunch of Escudo around him, kind of traps him inside of a, a prison briefly, and then Yuma hops inside of it and fucking assassinates him. <laughs> uh, chops off his head. Uh, after kind of whipping behind him. Uh, But before he goes, he blasts the ground beneath him uh, just as he bails out. And as a result of that, a hole appears in the floor and Kagahira goes darting through it, uh, falls to the floor below. And then uh, he's forced to bail out from that point for the loss of Tryon. So everyone's like, oh, okay, well, it looks like Tomacom was really racking up the points there. And then they realized the point actually went to Suzunari instead because the huge blow that he took uh, during the sword fight with uh, Murakami, that was considered to be more damaging than anything else that had happened to him up to that point. Uh, I guess because it was just so close to his Trion core. I so the, an also very significant part of this is that they didn't finish him there because right. he rolled away and then died from a, a leak as opposed to them like cutting his head off or something like that, that would have gotten them the point no matter what. But because he kind of got away, he disappears in a sense that they're like, oh, okay, well, then it just goes by who did the most damage. Well, the commentators give credit to Kagira because they managed to prevent Hamakuma from scoring the points. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it's left with uh, Murakami's duo, uh, trying to uh, take on Yuma and uh, and Hughes two-on-two. But uh, Hughes is continuing to use the his bullets with straighter-head attacks, and so he's like, oh, I see. So he used Viper bullets but shot them straight so that they would just think that they were asteroid, and now he can use the Viper's uh, redirection abilities for real. And then he just launches normal asteroids. And Osama's like, what, why, aren't you, why aren't you using Viper and curving the bullets? 
And Yuz just says, I'm not going to use curving bullets in this battle. We'll defeat Zunari 1 some other way, and I'll explain why after the battle. And Osamu just thinks back to the conversation that they had literally years ago at this point, <laughs> uh, where he promised that he would help Tamakoma 2 to win so that they could make the away team for his own sake. And so Osamu's like, hey, do you have a plan here? And he's like, yep. All right. Um, it just goes with it. But... This does introduce a bit of a wrinkle into the dynamic between Hughes and the rest of the team that he is still going to seemingly operate on his own because he knows he thinks that he knows best. It feels like yeah, he said that as much when he said, I'll follow your orders unless I think what you're ordering is wrong. So we're kind of seeing that in here. But I, I do like that there's this level of trust because they could immediately just play in you like Osama being like, well, I can't trust you if you don't follow my orders. But Osama's like, do you have a plan? He's like. I do. So he's like, okay, what what does that change for me? Like, I, I like that Osamu's going along with this. It's a very, like, kind of complicated thing, but uh, it, it, it's it's satisfying to see this not go the way it feels like it would in almost every other series where it's just like, oh, I can't trust you kind of thing. Yep. And uh, that's basically the end of the chapter from there. There's a little bit more stuff happening to set up the next uh, phase of the battle because the two teams of two are closing on each other. Emma is getting ready to go uh, one on two against Ozma Squad's two attackers uh, while he's also trying to figure out uh, what he can do from his position uh, with the four above him. So still a lot of moving parts in play. But, uh, yeah, that's the end of this chapter. Well, two chapters. So there we go. Very satisfying sequence of chapters. Um, there's so much that's happened. I mean, first and foremost, Kaguya Squad just got fucked. Like, yeah. Emma's still out there, but, like, every, the other two of them are gone. And you think back to, like, fuck, Asuma Squad has barely been involved in this shit. So, like, I'm really worried that, like, we're going to see those two guys around and they're going to do some shit. And then Asuma out of nowhere is going to just fucking snipe somebody. But we also don't know what Chica's doing yet. He like, he, like, comes back in. He's just dragging Chica's limp carcass behind him. And they're like, I thought the Tryon bodies didn't do that. <laughs> it's like, this one did. When you when you do what I did to it, yeah, it does it like this, son. I'm like, shit. Uh, but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty excited. So uh, I I really like what this shows out of Husey. I mean, it's it's crazy how much Tryon this guy has. Like. It's to this point where I'm almost like, why yeah. don't people use Escudo uh, more? Because that shit seems really useful. I guess it helps more in a terrain like this, which is like indoor. Yeah, because a lot of less... flat spaces. So yeah, and less maneuver uh, maneuverability. Yeah, um, they've definitely been uh, showcasing how useful this uh, this trigger is. So yeah, it really does make you be like, man, fuck, I really want that shit. I just want to summon walls everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, I, I liked a lot of what we saw. I it's it's curious to see World Trigger in a monthly format. That's just here's two chapters, but uh, I'm I'm curious to see. I, I think uh, it may be a transitionary thing, and maybe like once this fight ends, he could uh, Ashiar can like kind of pace things out yeah, more. It might have to do with like the volume, uh, the timing of the chapter releases for the volumes as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I guess we'll see. Yeah. All right. That is going to do it then for Week Manga Recap. Chris, favorite chapter in MVP? 
Uh, I'm going to give my favorite chapter to Seven Deadly Sins. I, I love that chapter. I really appreciated having that kind of sentimental moment. It felt very earnest and earned. And I think it was an extremely cool moment for Bond, too. Like, just that, oh, he just snaps his wrist. And all of a sudden, all these monsters just, like, are looking like their faces got ripped apart. It's very, very satisfying. Hmm. I think we're going to have to agree. Um, we, there were several really good chapters this week, but this was, that was definitely the one that took me the most off guard and surprised me the most. So, uh, My MVP is going to be Husey. I, I really enjoyed what we got to see of him this week. He looked very cool and confident. Uh, I'm, I'm just appreciating that like there's this new... I'm very happy for Osama that he has somebody else on his team to rely on. So it's like, oh no! Oh, thank God we don't just have to w- rely on Yuma to do everything. <laughs> like, Yuma lost his arm. Like, fuck! He's gonna be fucked now! And it's just like, oh wait, he has another super comp- competent guy alongside him. Yay! Uh, I'm giving mine to Yuiga. Uh, okay. I thought this was a very good character development chapter for him. And uh, it was really nice to see that, oh, you can have his own things going on as well. So Absolutely. Totally agree with it. And that, guys, is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap this week. We want to thank you guys for joining us. You can listen to the show live when we record it on smashcast.tv slash and twitch.tv slash Right now it's Thursdays around 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, although that's probably going to be changing next month. Uh, to stay updated on that stuff, you can follow us on Twitter. At WMR Podcast is the official podcast account. At Reloti and at Nick F. Time are your hosts. And be sure to check out past episodes of Weekly Manga Recap in a bunch of different places. WeeklyMangaRecap.Podbean.com, our YouTube channel, and on iTunes. And uh, if you check us out in those places, make sure to drop a subscription, leave a comment, leave a rating, help us out with the algorithm, and help us become kings of the hobby section and overcome the woodworkers. Be sure to send us feedback, ask us questions for our Q&A episodes, suggest future manga for us to read. You can send all that stuff via email to weeklymangarecap at yahoo.com or drop your recommendations in the Discord channel, where there's an entire channel set up just for uh, making recommendations and keeping track of the series that we have already uh, done uh, reviews on. Mm-hmm. We would like to extend a special thanks as well to our Patreon supporters. Your support allows us to create all sorts of fun bonus content for you guys to enjoy, as well as to Steve Manor, tarot card artist, and infamous planet for the stuff that you do to help us out. And that's going to do it, everyone. Bye, everyone. That's the end. Yeah. Go home. We're all wrapped up here. Yeah, do we like maybe we should like close like a magazine as we put the last issue of Shoulder Jump away. We are going to change our format as well so that there is just an individual recording for every single series, chapter by chapter. Some people would probably enjoy that greatly. <laughs> Some people's like, wait, I could just listen to just the One Piece stuff and not your world trigger bullshit. I'm like, no, you have to stay for that. You must stay. Man, that's going to do it. I don't know. That's it. Bye, yeah, everyone. Bye. <laughs>